touch into your ears this morning the power of thankfulness can change your life. Bump your neighbor, look them right in the face, and say, let's make chicken and dumplings this afternoon, and you can be seated. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I sense the Spirit of the Lord here this morning. Uh, I believe every person here is going to receive that which they need from God uh, today and what they're praying for. But there is power in being thankful. There's power in thanksgiving. I I always hesitate to preach a message uh, close to a holiday uh, that is about the holiday because you just, you know, you don't want to be too, you want to be led by the Lord and not by what's going on around. But I sense the Lord very strong this week. Uh, begin to deposit on the inside of me some keys to living a life that is insulated by thanksgiving, that is insulated by being thankful. Each one of us this week will see family members uh, that we might not have seen for a while. Uh, Some of you might be excited about it, and some of you might be less than excited about it. Uh, But Thanksgiving is a great opportunity for us to literally do that, to take a moment or two and choose thankfulness over everything else. If you have your Bible open to Luke 17, I'm going to start in verse 12. The scripture says, as he, this is Jesus, entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Everywhere you see the number 10 in your Bible, there is going to be a reference to a test of some kind. 10 commandments, Uh, The ten virgins that had their uh, lamps with oil while they were waiting for the husbandman to come. Uh, The the ten plagues that the Israelites saw the the Egyptians endure before Pharaoh finally uh, let them out of captivity. Uh, Tithe always represents a test. It's one of the last heart tests that we have that's available. But ten is always a testing or a proving of something. So anytime you see the number ten in our Bible, you should be looking for what is the test that I see here because what that allows us to do is it allows us to pass the test based off somebody else's experience. It allows us to look at what somebody else did. Maybe they did the right thing and we can choose to do it again. Or maybe they did the wrong thing and we can choose to do the right thing uh, in that situation. So anytime you see 10, it always references a test. So we have 10 lepers that are there and, and, and they're standing afar off because they weren't allowed to be near anybody. They were ostracized. They had a condition that was communicable. Uh, uh, so they didn't want anybody else to, to have what they have. So literally, their life uh, was spent on the outside as an outcast. Verse 13 says, and they, this is the 10, and we're assuming all of them, lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So the 10 stood afar off and they began to, to shout at Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. Number one, if you're taking notes, make your requests known to God. Make your requests known to God. No, it, it, is not, uh, it, is, it is not a positive thing to think, man, I just don't want to bother God with my problems. He's exactly the opposite of what we're like. We have limits and limitations in the natural, but he has no limit, no limitation. There is nothing about who he is that is minimized by you bringing him a request. On the exact opposite, I would ask a question like this. 
If God gave you every single thing that you ask for tomorrow, would you wish you had asked for more? And don't, don't, don't think just uh, carnal things or natural things. I'm saying uh, in every area, that child that you're having issues with, that they're not acting like they know they need to act, how many requests have you made to the Lord? Because the Bible says He answers when we ask. He responds when we reach out. But so many times, we as Christians, we, we know He's the author and the finisher of our faith. But we're really only leaning in on the finisher side. We bring him in at the end of the battle. And of course he gives us the victory. But sometimes I wonder, are we in battle or fight too long because we never brought him into the equation? Bump your neighbor and say, oh me. So many times in our life we bring him in at the end of a thing. I, I remember one time, you know, I'm from, I'm from far east Texas, any more east Texas than you get to west Louisiana from where I'm from. But we grew up hunting and fishing and doing all the things that, that little boys do in that side of the world. And we would, we would go in the woods and we would camp and we would do just all this stuff. And uh, when I got to be a teenager, one of the things that me and my friends would like to do is we would go and we would ride four-wheelers uh, in the woods and we would go and get muddy and do, do all that. And uh, me and a friend one time, we went out in the woods and we were riding or we were going to ride. And on the way to where we were going, I got my truck stuck in the mud. And, and so we tried to get it out. We got the four-wheelers out, tried to pull it out with the four-wheelers. We pushed it. We did everything we could think of. And then we got on a four-wheeler and we rode all the way uh, to a guy's house we knew was several miles away. It took an hour to get there. And we, we got into his shed or his shop because he wasn't home. And we took uh, what's called a come-along. Which is, which is like a winch. It's just this mechanical thing that you can pull something real heavy with. So we took that and we got all the way to where my truck was, hooked it up with a chain, tied it around a tree, only to find out that the come-along was broken. So now we had wasted two or three hours. We're sitting there. It's starting to get dark. And I'm sitting there and I'm literally just, you know, at my, at my 16-year-old wit's end, you know. And I'm, I'm leaning on the tailgate of my truck. And I thought, man. And I told my friend, I said, man, we should just pray. And I prayed and I prayed, oh, God, if you could. And I'm telling you, I had about as, uh, like, like if, if faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain, I had faith of like, like, like zero mustard seeds. I could move no mountain at this time. And I thought, oh, God, come on. Can you help me? Get this truck out in the name of Jesus. Amen. And God is my witness. I climbed in that truck, cranked it, put it in reverse, and it backed right out. And I'm sitting there and I look at my friend and he looks at me and I was like, glory to God. He's like, yeah, glory to God. And I just thought, how long did I dig in the mud when all I needed to do was allow him to be the author and the finisher of my faith? No, it's different when you live for God. Number one, make your requests known to God. Tell Him what you need. Tell Him what you're believing for. You say, well, I don't know the best thing for my life. Let me tell you something. You know some good things that could happen in your life. If your house got paid off tomorrow, would it offend you? If your kids were serving Jesus so hard and loved God so much that they woke you up on Sunday morning, would that bother you? No, you pray and to the best of your ability and here's how you always stay on the right side of faith. You say something like this, but nevertheless, thy will be done. 
You pray what you know, and then you say, oh, God, I know you know better than me. So if there's something better, I want what you have for me more than I want what I want for me. Give God a big hand of praise right there. Always make your requests known unto God. So they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when he saw him, verse 14, when he saw him, he said unto them, go show yourself to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, everybody say, as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. They began to go and do what the Lord told them to do. You know, so many times we, we were looking for the big bang. We're looking for that one big thing, and it happens, and I'm really excited when it does. But sometimes, matter of fact, most of the time, number two, if you're taking notes, so much of what God does in our life is realized as we go. You have relationships in your life that were forged in the exact right moment. You have relationships in your life that were forged at the exact right time. But the only way that you know that is to look back on what that relationship has meant to you. So literally, as your life has gone, you've seen the miraculous. The Bible says that the Israelites, they came out of Egypt. The Bible says they were there for 400 years, just about. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And then, in one day, by the blood of the Lamb, they were delivered out of captivity. And they went out into the wilderness, and they had to wander around for 40 years. In other words... 40 years out of 400 years, so 10% or the testing or the tithe of their time was what was necessary to get them to have access to the promised land. They were there, and the Bible says this, that their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. It, 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 we went to the airport this past week, and I put this shirt on, I didn't think about it, I just put a shirt on, and I'm walking out. And it, and it says 2010, I think it was. And I looked at it and I thought, man, I should really buy some new clothes. But I thought, my shirt hasn't worn out in 10 years, probably because I've only worn it like twice. But I don't have any shoes 40 years old. I don't have any clothing 40 years old. But those Israelites, they had no idea what God was going to do in their life in the first year. No, they can only look back and they can say, day after day, God was performing miracles as they went. In your life, never uh, overlook what God is doing throughout your life, only paying attention to trying to believe God for one thing to happen. No, every now and then, it's imperative that we sit down, that we stop for just a moment and we do an inventory. Because what you'll find out is up to now, many of your dreams have already come true. Many of the desires of your heart have already come true. And if we don't stop and thank God for them, because really the only way that you can show somebody that you appreciate it is to actually be thankful, is to actually say thank you. In other words, the Bible says it this way, you know a tree by its fruit. So you can think that you love your spouse. Wait a minute. You can think that you admire your loved one. But if there's no fruit on the tree, if there's nothing that can be seen or shown, the question is, are you expecting somebody to measure you by your intentions while you're measuring everybody else by their actions? Is it Wednesday night? Feels like it. So many times in our life, 
We get to a place where we forget what God has been doing in our life because we're focusing on the one thing that we would hope He would do when in reality He has been doing miracle after miracle after miracle. The fact that you're not dead and in the grave is a miracle. The fact that you're still married right now is a miracle. The fact that your children are serving God is a miracle. The fact that you have compassion. The fact that the things that you went through didn't turn you into a bitter person. It's a miracle. The fact that the the amount of compassion that you have right now still exists is a miracle. The fact that your finances haven't collapsed is a miracle. The fact that you're not in jail right now is a miracle. God is doing miracles after miracles, day after day, as we go. No, it's imperative to pay attention to what God's doing in the process because so many times it gets overlooked. It gets forgotten about. The Bible continues, verse 15 says, And one of them, uh, uh, one of them that was cleansed, so all ten of them were healed. But the Bible says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. With a loud voice glorified God. Now, number one, one out of ten is ten percent. In other words, the tithe turned around and proved he was thankful to God. There's a difference in your life when you live for God. There's a difference in your life when you serve God. But here's the thing. This was a public issue that they had. It was a public infirmity that was on their bodies. But only one of them publicly decided to magnify God. Have you ever met that person? And don't don't look around. Have you ever met that person that every time you talk to them, they're telling you about all the sicknesses and infirmities and problems that they've got? Have you ever talked to that person and like this morning, so you wake up and you're like, man, it's cold outside. And and you go tell that person, you say, man, it's cold outside. Yeah, (sighs) cold and flu season's here. Well, listen, Buford, I'm not getting a cold or the flu. Glory to God. Well, what do you mean you're not getting a cold or the flu? I mean, I am legally positioned as healed by the stripes on Jesus' back, so I'm not getting a cold or the flu. Pastor, I saw you the other day. You had a a Kleenex and you sure sounded stuffed up. I didn't say the devil doesn't try it. I didn't say the enemy doesn't try it. I didn't say the world doesn't try to put it on me. I just refuse to accept it. My position is healed regardless of what my conditions look like. But so many people, they give public voice, they give public voice to problems, but then when the problem is gone, they were healed as they went, they forget to give God credit. When, when Lazarus was dead and he came out of the grave after four days and the Bible says in the King James Version he'd been dead so long that he stinketh. And Jesus walked up to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, my man, come out of the tomb. And Lazarus, who was in heaven uh, next to Abraham, he all of a sudden shot back into his body and life came back into him and bound up like a mummy in grave clothes. He comes waddling out of that grave like that and they begin to take the grave clothes off of him. He says, Jesus, I have missed you. Everybody began to shout and magnify God because when a miracle happens instantaneously, we need jerk and we give God credit for. I'm looking for a church and a body and a people that will give God praise for healing them as they go. Jesus said, as they went, the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. 
And one of them came back and said, I understand it could look like it just happened. I understand it was just the common cold and in about 7 to 14 days, most people get over it anyway. But I also know this, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So if it's good, it comes from God and I'm going to give him credit whether it happens right now instantly, tomorrow eventually, or in heaven eternally, I'm going to give God all the praise and all the glory no God's doing things as you go he's constantly working on your behalf he's constantly doing things behind the scenes so number three if you're taking notes tell somebody what God has done for you tell somebody you've got to listen you've got a captive audience come Thursday whether you're, whether you're going to have the traditional uh, uh, turkey and dressing or, or barbecue or, 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 or bless God tamales or, or whatever you're going to have, you're going to have a captive audience on Thursday. When you get to, I want you to be loaded for bear. I want you ready to tell somebody what God has done in your life in 2016. When, when you're out there working on the tractor with Buford after you eat... I hope nobody named Buford's here. When you're out there working on a tractor with Buford and you're, you're sitting there and Buford says, hand me that wrench and you go to hand him the wrench and Buford says, boy, my wife's always nagging me and I tell you what, and he looks at you and says, know what I mean? Listen, I want you to fight the old southern uh, uh, knee-jerk uh, response by saying, yeah, I know what you mean because we always have this tendency to just want to agree with people. But I want you to understand the power of your words. And when he says that, you don't have to tell him, shut your mouth talking about your wife. You just say something good about your wife. The Bible says light drives out darkness. And I'm not saying Buford's dark. I'm just saying the Bible says anything that you will touch and agree on, you can have. And we always like thinking about that when we come to the altar and we grab hands with a prayer partner and we pray the prayer of faith. But when you begin to touch and agree with people saying something contrary to the Word of God, guess what? You'll have whatever you touch and agree with. So when Buford says, would you believe my wife, this, that, this, that, or the other? I say, well, glory to God. I've been married 13 years, never had a bad day. Well, well, wait a minute. You've never had an argument? I said, I didn't say that. (laughs) I said, I never had a bad day. Because one day with my wife, I'm just going to tell you, it's better than a million days somewhere else. But you begin to speak life into a situation and you become light. When, 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 when Claudine comes up to you at the, at the Thanksgiving table, I'm going to have to get me like a, a dictionary with a bunch of names. When Claudine comes up to you at the table and, and, and she begins to ask you, and you know, so how you been doing? You look like you put on weight. <laughs> I want you to tell Claudine, well, the blessing of the Lord makes fat. And adds, no, don't tell her. <laughs> I want you to be ready to respond in kindness, with love. I want you to be prepared. You know, number three, we need to tell somebody what God's done in our life. Can I just tell you? Okay, everybody raise your right hand. Come on, raise it up. I hereby authorize you to be a witness for Christ. Now give God a hand of praise. If he's ever done one thing in your life, you're authorized to speak on it. Did you know nobody knows better than you what God has done in your life? 
I can't tell your story. That's why I always tell mine. I can't tell your story better than you could. But this Thursday, you're going to have an opportunity. Verse 16, the man had come back and glorified God. Then he fell on his face, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten that were cleansed? Where are the other nine? 18 says, they're not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger, just this Samaritan. There's a whole teaching there. Verse 19, he said unto him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith made you whole. There were ten people who were sick. Nine were healed. One was made whole. In other words, leprosy is a crazy disease, and I could give you a lot of the statistics that go along with it, some information. But one of the things is literally you'll lose appendages off your body. You'll lose parts of your body, hands, fingers, toes, nose, ears, things like that. So this one, nine, were healed, which means they weren't sick anymore. But the one, the tithe, the 10% that chose to be thankful, well, he was made whole. Could you imagine going throughout your life and you can't hold your Starbucks cup? And then all of a sudden... You can. They didn't have bionic arms back then. His only option was a miracle. But thanksgiving makes way for wholeness. Thanksgiving sets you up to be made whole. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. In everything, Give thanks. Continue to say this is the will of God for your life. It is the will of God for your life for you to give thanks in every situation. I'm not saying, and let's make sure and understand. I didn't say give thanks for every situation. When you stub your toe, let's not be silly and thank God that we've stubbed our toe. But I don't have to be thankful for my stubbed toe, but I can still find something to be thankful in my situation. Thank God I didn't break my foot. Now I'm developing, I'm strengthening a lifestyle of thanksgiving. This happens all the time in my life, and we try to train our kids where if something happens, if something happens, we immediately thank God that if it could have been real bad. I remember one time I had my little seven-year-old boy and we were, we were playing baseball and he didn't know and he swung the baseball bat and it just tickled my earlobe. And I said, whew! I mean, it probably wouldn't have killed me, but we're talking, you know, I don't want to have to go get new teeth. I don't want to have to do all that other stuff. So I said, stop right there, baby. I said, God just saved daddy's teeth. Let's thank him. Thank you, God, for saving my teeth in the name of Jesus. You just stop and you take a moment. I remember one time I'm, I'm walking and, and, 
and uh, we're walking down some stairs at our house, and my little boy, from the time he was a baby, he just, he just believes in pocket knives and cowboy boots. So he had his, his, his cowboy boots on, and he hung the heel of his boot on one of the stairs, and he tumbled face first. He's three or four years old. Tumbled face first down the stairs, just tumbling, just like that, in front of me. And I, all I could do is just yell, Jesus! And he literally flips over, and it looks so horrendous. You know, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 feet. Just boom, boom, boom. And I get down to the bottom, I pick him up. I said, you okay? At first word out of his mouth he goes yeah Jesus got me I said stop we're going to thank God because we're supposed to be going to the hospital right now but instead we're going outside to throw the football because God can do what we cannot do in every situation you begin to give God glory you begin to magnify God listen I'm not saying I'm thankful for everything that happens but I'm going to be found thankful in any condition that I'm found in because when I am thankful now I am prepared to be made whole number four if you're taking notes stand to your feet as a matter of fact please number four if you're taking notes thanksgiving makes way for wholeness and insulates from bitterness. Always, 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 always fight the desire to be bitter. You will have a reason. The reason will make sense. You will be, something wrong will have happened to you and you can convince yourself a dozen times why you should be bitter. All I'm telling you is thanksgiving insulates against it. I don't understand why everything happens to different people and why some this happens to this and some this happens to this. All I can tell you is you find the one that has remained thankful in every situation and you'll find the one that is walking in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is critical because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So thankfulness makes way for joy, which makes way for strength. And then all of a sudden it just turns into a cycle and you begin to get real conscious of what God is doing as you go. No, this week is a big week. Uh, in our country, it's a big week uh, 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 here, in, here where we are, where families and friends gather together. And I want you to be a knee jerk where your reaction is thanksgiving. Where your response to every situation is thankfulness in some form or fashion. And sometimes you got to look hard for it. I'll tell you one quick story, then we're going to dismiss. My uncle, uh, we were playing golf one time and he had a, a friend of his. His name was Carl. And at the time, my uncle, we're going to have to edit this out of the, the podcast just so you know. My uncle was a terrible golfer. Terrible. <laughs> Just, okay, you cut it before, now we're back, so we're good. So we're playing golf, and my uncle hits the ball, boom, and it goes in the woods. Terrible shot, horrible. He drops another ball, he hits it, bang, goes in the woods. And I'm like, okay, bro, let's just go to the green, that's what I'm thinking. And he pulls out another ball, he drops it, and bang, hits it in the woods. And he does this like six times. And I'm like, listen, tin cup, it's time to move on to the next hole. And we're sitting there, and every time he, he hits it, he's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I pulled my head out. Oh, I did this. And he's saying every problem that he's read in a book or whatever. He's like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe it. And I'm like, well, I believe it because I've been playing golf with you all day. So this is not the exception. This is the norm. So can we move on? That's what I'm thinking. And finally, he hits one. But every time that he hits the ball, 
Carl, who was his great friend, Carl's in heaven now, Carl, who was his great friend, would say, oh man, you hit it good, oh man, sounded good, oh man, if that tree wasn't there, oh man, just, he had something positive to say about everything. And I'm like, Carl, get real, man, we've lost like 10 balls on this one hole. And he's sitting there and finally, my uncle hits one and, and it goes backwards like 10 feet. I don't even know how it happened, but it goes backwards 10 feet. And I'm sitting there, and this, I, I was staring at Carl like, what now, Carl? You know what I'm saying? What's good about that? And Carl looks, and I could tell he was really thinking. He said, well, my uncle's a pastor. He said, well, pastor, that's a much better lie back there. <laughs> Come on, give God a big hand of praise. Sometimes you got to look. For a reason to be thankful. You've got to look for a reason to give God credit. But if it's always worth it when you do. Amen? Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes, please. If you're in the building today and you're not